Yes, our God is mighty. He is great and he is awesome. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I feel the spirit of God in this house. God, I'm praying that God will move in a mighty way today. Agape, how are we doing? How is Agape doing? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Before we begin with the message, I just want to, again, say hi to everyone, all our visitors, all our guests, those who are here for the first time, those who have not called Agape their home yet. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are here that are guests, we thank you for coming, and we, uh, we're just glad that you're here. Uh, definitely make sure that you uh, leave an envelope, make sure you, uh, uh, sorry, not leave an envelope, but your connect card, make sure you leave your information. Uh, I thank God for all of you who are here, those of you that call God for your home. And I'm also thankful that you guys answered to the call of giving uh, last week. Praise God. Uh, we, we, we caught up to uh, uh, one week, but we still have another week that we're behind. So uh, I would definitely like to encourage you to, to give in support in order for us to meet our budget so that we can continue to do God's work. Yesterday, outreach, uh, uh, not yesterday, was it yesterday? Yes, it was yesterday. I, I'm just losing track of time, you know, lack of sleep, and you know how that is. Anyway, uh, yesterday, Outreach distributed 8,000 pounds of food. Let's give God a praise for that. We, uh, in conjunction with Cooperative Feeding, uh, we distributed 8,000 pounds of food. So we thank God for the work uh, that he is doing, that he's allowing us to do in the community. And I believe God is going to do more. Uh, we're here not just to come to church, but to make a difference in the community. And so I'm just thankful for all, the, all of you who came. And I would like to encourage, for those of you who aren't uh, participating in outreach, to participate, to be a part of it. Uh, this series, the importance of this series, I believe, is that uh, it gets us to engage in ministry. When we talk about being awake, uh, the series called Awake, uh, we talk about an awakening, but of course that requires that we put that into action. And one of the things that I want to encourage you is just not to wake up out of your bed, but to wake up in spirit. And when you wake up in spirit, God's going to deposit some things in you, that he'll impart some things in you that will then exude out of you. Meaning when, God's, when God gives you his spirit, he also gives you a ministry. Is everybody with me? And so I believe that each and every person in this church uh, is imparted with the gift that God will use to bring others to him. Uh, we are in the business of kingdom building. Somebody say kingdom building. kingdom building. We're in the business of kingdom building. And yes, I'm thankful for uh, how God is building this church, but we're doing more than building a church. Yeah. We're building the kingdom of God. Praise God. And so I just want to encourage you to participate in a ministry. Uh, for those of you that are coming in now, I got new members coming in. Let's give God a praise for our new members. You'll be hearing about them soon. You'll be hearing about them soon. Um, but we have, we have about uh, 20 people who uh, wow. will be participating in Christ. Give God a in membership class. Give God a praise for that. Um, and so I, I believe that God's really doing some amazing things. Just know this. If you're going to be a member of Agape, you're going to work. Okay, we, we, we're not a sit down and do nothing church. We're a get to work church. So uh, I don't believe, I believe if you're going to call yourself an Agape Center member, people are going to know that by your actions and by the things that you do. So um, I want to encourage all of you, for those of you who are home and know Agape is your home, uh, I am calling you to ministry. Praise God. 
this, this series, Awake, is really a call to ministry, to wake up, to get out of, of your state of homostasis, and to get into a state of action. And so after service, I want to encourage you to do something. Uh, Vanessa, raise your hand. So that if y'all don't know Vanessa, the really fine woman up in the front. You know, the finest woman in the house. Don't hate, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate. Praise God. Um, um, I would like that you would get in touch with her. She has forms um, that will be filled out either through her or through hospitality. If, you know, we are new and we are young, okay, that doesn't mean that we don't go into action. And so we have some ministries, but there are others that have yet to come into fruition. So if there's something that you're thinking of, I, I want to be in praise dance, or you don't see it yet, but you want to be a part of it. You want to take charge. You want to put it into action. Um, you want to get a small group involved. You want to get a basketball team going. Y'all didn't even know basketball was ministry too? It is. It is. All in Jesus' name. Do all in for the glory of God. So, so for all of you who are here, don't leave without filling out the form and putting some information down on what you want to do. Of course, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after is going to be uh, A-Team Sunday. Let's give God a praise for A-Team Sunday. That is going to be our ministry engagement Sunday. I know some people aren't here. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of members who aren't here today. But if you are, um, if you if you can, please let them know also that we have A Team Sunday. A Team Sunday, that's Engagement Sunday. I'm not going to preach for that long. I want to make sure that we all come together as a church and we, 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 we follow the missional call of Jesus, which is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to minister in his name. So I want you all to get ready, get yourself prepared, because we're going to put you to work. Y'all ready to work? Tell, tell somebody next to you, are you ready to work? You ready to work? You ready to work? Y'all going to be scared of me. I'm going to be coming here. What you doing? You working? Good. Good. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, we know what a tree is by the fruit that it bears. So if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you got to bring about Christians. That's the business. That's the business. We're in kingdom building business. Amen. Praise God. So fill out a form. Get involved. Participate. Wake up! Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ah, let's get into the word. I'm excited about Amen. this message. Amen. I'm excited because God changed it. So I know God's got something to say. Praise God. Anybody excited? I'm excited. Praise God. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter It's good to see all of y'all. Y'all look good today. Man, T and Jean Sunday. Man, laid back. I see a lot of laid back people. It's all right. We can come laid back. God is still in the house. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I am excited about this one. Luke chapter 8. We're not getting any feedback. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to have to stay over here. If you notice, we got a... We're almost done. We're upgrading our sound system. Um, we got some new speakers and all that other good stuff. Um, I had somebody who asked me how much did they cost. Are they like around $200? And I said, okay. 
That's why, see, if they knew how much we're spending on stuff. Yeah. Um, each speaker costs almost $2,000 each. Um, but it sounds better, don't it? I love the sound of my voice. Um, before I even begin with this word, I'm having a good time. I'm sorry, I had to. Uh, before I begin with this word, um, uh, I, I, I went to minister at another church. Um, actually, I just did a Bible reading. And um, they just had this most incredible sound system. And so I got up there and I spoke and it just felt so big. And the Lord, whoa. And I just felt so like, I felt like, you know how God, when God speaks, like out of the mountain, you know, like all the echoing, oh, the Lord said, you know. So anyway, I just couldn't get off that. I just, I was like, can I read like a couple more verses? Because, man, this sounds so good. So anyway, I, so y'all, y'all, now I'm getting spoiled. So y'all know what I want. Mm, I want to sound big. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all didn't know I can play around. Talk. Y'all don't know me yet. Okay, chapter 8, verse 52. I'm not going to read all of it. I just want to focus on one part of the text. Oh, man, God is going to move today. Amen. Verse 52. It says, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now all wept and mourned for her. But she said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all aside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, little girl, arise. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word, Father Lord impart wisdom on us as we get into this word. Father, we ask, Lord, that you bless each and every person who is here. Uh, let them be delivered by this word. Let them be healed by this word. Let their lives be changed by this word. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Uh, let's kick the volume down a little bit. I just noticed there's some feedback, so uh, let's go ahead and kick the volume down. I won't move around as much today just to ensure that, you know, that there isn't too um, um, we, we find ourselves in an interesting part of this text. Uh, we find ourselves in a, a critical part of the text. As a matter of fact, uh, we find ourselves in a contentious uh, part of the text. Um, this is a part where theologians have uh, disagreed, particularly speaking, on what we call the synoptic harmony. Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? Um, um, the synoptic harmony, we, we call that um, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the Synoptic Gospels because uh, they're giving the same story of Jesus, uh, the same story of the ministry of Jesus, but it's being given in different ways. The reason why it's called Synoptic, optic is to see, and sin is in sync. Think of in sync, so it's seen together. So what we see, what we see here actually are uh, uh, three eyewitness accounts of the Gospels. Now, the one thing I want to just give you some insight on before I get into the word is, uh, before I get a little bit deeper into this, is that uh, uh, people don't realize that the word was actually written after 
uh, generations of what we call the oral uh, testimony of the word. And so people were giving the word from one group to another. So it was kind of like the word was passing on from, from group to group. And so what we find is, is that even though uh, there are different accounts, there's some sort of uh, uh, synchronization uh, in that, which I believe is already powerful because if something isn't true, then it wouldn't sync up. Right. I don't know if anybody's uh, catching what I'm saying here. Uh, if the gospel of Jesus was just something made up by a man, y'all know what it's like when you say a rumor. Uh, when you speak a rumor, you can say something. You can, actually, you don't even need to say a rumor. Just tell somebody, I'm hungry, and let it go through 10, 20 people. And by the time it's over, it's Isaac got AIDS and his mom is dying. Um, so you understand what happens when it goes from one person to another is that a lot of information is being changed or is lost along the way. By the way, I do not have AIDS, and my mom is not dying. So we thank God for that. Praise the Lord. I shall not die. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to let me get back into my work. So, so what we notice here is that uh, there's what's called the synoptic a problem in the synoptic harmony is that, yes, some of these stories are not all said the same way. And so many have questioned uh, this story of this girl who we call Jarius' daughter. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a conflicting story for one reason in that uh, it's conflicting in the temporal uh, element. Uh, we don't know exactly, or it's not that we don't know, uh, but theologians have argued whether or not she had died when Jarius had gotten to her. Uh, some have argued that maybe she was in a coma, uh, that she was already dead when Jairus had gotten to her. And I'm not going to get into this. Maybe we can do it in a Bible study. By the way, don't miss Bible study. It is awesome. Uh, you don't want to miss Bible study. It's been incredible. Um, I'm just throwing all kinds of bits and commercials in while I'm preaching. Y'all see what I'm doing. Anyway, uh, and, and, so, and so I'm not going to get into the details of what's being described here in the text, I'll just say this much, that it is clear and evident that we're not sure whether she is dead. We're not sure. Uh, it's not that we're not sure, but we can question whether she was dead or we can question whether she was asleep. But for now, we're just going to say that she's dead asleep. All right, all right. And so the title of our text, uh, the title of our sermon today is Dead Asleep. And so when you get on the app, by the way, when you find it, what you're going to see on the app, another commercial, y'all see what I'm doing. Uh -uh. And when you get the app, you download it. If you don't have it yet, download it. There's sermons all up in there. You're going to love it. And tell your friends, praise the Lord, everybody. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, you're going to see that title, Dead Asleep. And so the reason why I call it Dead Asleep is I'm not just talking about it on the depth of it all, uh, but also I want to talk about the nature of being dead and the nature of being asleep. Uh, for there are similarities between them. We're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. Uh, but I want to say this much, is that uh, sleeping and being dead can look the same after a certain amount of time. Uh, meaning in the initial phases, someone could be dead and someone can be asleep, but it requires an examination to know whether they're dead or not. Are y'all with me so far? But after a certain period of time, you're going to realize that the dead person is dead because uh, uh, what happens? Their body begins to disintegrate and you begin to smell it, right? And, and so we can say that that person is dead. Uh, whereas the person who is asleep, well, that person eventually, we all know how it is with sleeping people. They don't sleep forever. As much as you can try to sleep for 40 hours straight, you can't physically do that. Eventually, what happens is, is that you wake up. But the one similarity that I want to point out in the text, or in, in the nature of being dead, or being asleep, is that 
being dead or asleep implies that there's a certain level of unconsciousness. And when there is a certain level of unconsciousness, what that also implies is that there's a difficulty for you to do something about the state that you're in. Uh, if you sleep deep enough, people can do some funny things. If y'all don't know, go on YouTube, go on Facebook, and see all the stuff that they're doing to Arnold uh, when he falls asleep. Because when you're asleep, things can happen around you that you don't know that are going on. I'm sorry, Arnold, I had to do it. I'm just in a fun mood today, so let's continue on. Now, now, now what I want you to understand is that uh, being asleep here, when we talk about being dead or we talk about being asleep, we're talking about it from a physical perspective, but not just from a physical perspective. We also want to talk about it from a spiritual perspective. You see, when you're dead or asleep, regardless of which one it is, in that time that you're dead and in that time that you're asleep, you don't have the ability to handle or to take care of yourself. Y'all catching what I'm saying right now? Uh, when you're in your time of of unconsciousness, uh, you have to count on the protection of others around you or the safety of your environment in order to keep your body the way that it is. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you're sleeping, you can't drive. When you're sleeping, you can't study. When you're sleeping, you can't go to school. When you're sleeping, you can't do anything, meaning you're helpless, you're incapable of doing things for yourself. In the same way, when you are spiritually asleep or when you're spiritually dead, you are you're, you're not capable uh, of cultivating yourself. You're not capable uh, of prophesying to yourself. You're not capable of praying. Anybody know what that feels like when you're in spiritual sleep? You don't want to pray. You don't want to read your word. You don't want to study your Bible. You're not interested in that stuff. It, it's like it's like you're dead. You're not you're not hungry for it. Uh, you're not you're not thirsty after it. Uh, you can't you can't preach to yourself. You can't minister to yourself. All of a sudden, the words, the verses that you had memorized, you can't even remember them anymore. And then you start wondering, where are you, God? Where are you in my situation? Are you involved in all of this? And, and, so, and so what I love about this is that, you see, God understands that when he's got a call on your life, that he always sends or has somebody who's there to intercede for you. I, I hope everybody catches this. The little girl is either sick or she's dead or she's close to death. But regardless of either one, she doesn't have the capacity to take care of herself. She doesn't have the capacity to do anything for herself. She can't diagnose herself, can't heal herself. She's stuck in a place where whatever the condition is, that's how it's going to be. But thank God she had her father... Uh, that went and interceded on her behalf. Is there anybody here saying, I thank God for the person who was interceding for me. For some of you, it was a father. For another you, another a couple of you, it was your mom. Maybe it was a friend at school. Maybe it was a co-worker. But thank God somebody was praying for you when you could not pray for yourself. That somebody was ministering to you when you couldn't minister to yourself. Thank God for your intercessor who was involved situation. I, I don't know. I'm about to preach. I, I, I thought I was going to stay calm, but I'm sweating already. Praise the Lord. And I ain't even popping mollies. Now, 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 if I look in the text and I go a little bit deeper, uh, we understand something here is that Jarius now knows that his daughter is not capable of, 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 of taking care of herself, that the condition that she is in now requires her to go out, uh, uh, for him to go out and to find healing for her. Now, now, here's what I love about the text is that Jarius is a man of the synagogue. Right, 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 
He is a man of the organization. Yes. Go ahead. He's a man who is of the religious. And now we understand that the religious at this time did not like Jesus. But the situation that he was in required a man who is the leader of the synagogue to go in front of Jesus and to request the Lord's service. I don't know if anybody uh, is with me here. Uh, when you don't have any problems, it's easy for you to become religious. I don't know if anybody gets it. Oh, when stuff is going exactly the way you want it to go, it's easy just to go to church on Sunday and to look all pretty in front of people and act better than everybody else. So can, can, am I preaching to somebody? But then all of a sudden, when you get in some mess, you've got to take off the religious garment. You've got to remove the religious face because now your problem, your pastor can't help. I don't know if anybody, uh, 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 the ministers can't help. Your deacons can't help. The people all around cannot help. You need God himself to get involved in your situation and now you've got to remove all those inhibitions I hope I'm preaching to somebody today you see Jerry is now who humbles himself before Jesus and now he asks Jesus to go and to help him because his daughter is about to die any day daughter can't do anything but somebody was praying for her. Somebody was reaching out for her. I, I love that part because I know that there are those of us who have that testimony. I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't pray for myself. But thank God there was a pastor who was praying for me. Uh, thank God there was a family member, somebody who cared about me, was praying for me. And now Jarius goes to Jesus and he tells Jesus, and Jesus, you know, he says, cool. Here's, my, here's the part that I love. Is that while Jesus is on the way to heal the daughter, in her room where she is sick, near the point of death, sometimes we like to put a timeline on Jesus, a timeline on God. It can happen any day, any minute, any moment. Jesus, I need you right now. Anybody ever had that prayer? Jesus, I need you right now. I need you to get involved in my situation right now. There's a dying thing happening in my life right now. And I need you right now. And then you go to church and you feel the presence of God. And you say, I'm ready. God's about to do something in my life. Jesus gets up now and says, let's go. And I, I feel like there's about to be a miracle right here. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says he stops to heal the woman with the issue of blood. Some of us would get frustrated when we've had a promise put on our life. But then in the midst of getting to your promise, somebody else got blessed. I don't know if I'm Somebody else got a healing. I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody. Somebody else got... Let's be honest. Sometimes we've been praying for so long for something and that God should give us some or God, sh uh, you know, God heal me or help me with this. Help me get through school. And all of a sudden you see somebody else graduate before you. Wait, hold on. Didn't you come after me? How could you graduate before me? I don't know if I catch that. You see, here's the thing about it is that we like to put a timeline on God. But understand that where God is moving, he may be healing somebody else while he is healing you. Don't ever be selfish with your healing. Don't ever be selfish with your blessing. 
As a matter of fact, God can't bless selfish people. Because selfish people got to have testimony and got to share it with other people. And so some of us, we're sitting around looking at other people not being thankful for their blessing. And little did you know that God was blessing them because he was on his way to bless you. I see the faith in Jairus. You want to know why? Because the Bible tells us that while Jesus is healing the woman with the issue of blood, that the men from his house come to him and they tell him, Master, your daughter has died. Don't bother Jesus anymore. if I'm preaching to somebody. Your situation is now dead. Don't bother Jesus. Oh my God. How many times have you heard from people around you that there's nothing left for you? That there's no hope, no possibility, no chance. It's already dead. It's already over. There's nothing you can do about it. Stop praying about it. It's already done. Stop praying. Stop looking for Jesus. Stop asking him because the situation is already dead. I, I can't, I'm trying to play the whole thing because you got to realize something. It's crazy. There's people everywhere. So much so that Jesus can't even walk straight. He can't barely stand up because people are just pushing him all over the place. Right. So you can imagine there's noise everywhere. Mm -hmm. And now these men come into the ear of Jairus to tell Jairus there's no hope. Right. But here's what I like about it is that Jesus always has an answer to your naysayer. Uh, he may not have heard physically what he said, right. but Jesus heard spiritually what yeah. he said. Yeah. And Jesus told him, he said, if you can just have faith and believe, you don't got to worry anymore. I want to preach to somebody today who's in a dead situation. If you just have faith and believe, you don't have to worry about it. God's got it under control. I love this part. You see, even when there's noise all around, people talking on your left, people talking on your right, telling you you can't do it, you can't accomplish it, it can't be done. If you can just sit back for a moment and just hear the word of God that says that there is no such thing as a dead thing with Jesus, there's always possibility in an impossible situation. He is not dead. She is not dead. She is what? Sleeping. Yes, yes, yes. I love that part. Because Jarius had faith. And look what the Bible says. I want to I turn to verse 51 for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm about to teach y'all, okay? Y'all with me? In verse 51, it says this. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl.
Y'all ready for this one? Okay. He came into the house. What is the house? Her residence. Uh, he came, comes into her house. That's her place of cultivation. Her place where she's fed. Mm -hmm. He came into the house and he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John. And they found their mother dead. Two observations. Y'all ready? The first observation is not everyone who comes with Jesus should come in your house. Wow. I, 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 I want to make sure you understand this. Wow. Not everyone who comes with Jesus should come. I, I, don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if anybody's getting what I'm saying. The Bible says this now. You see, here's the problem. We got some people who will take anybody who says Jesus' name and considers them to be anointed and says, come to my house and help me handle my situation. He says, oh, you got to be careful because we got some wolves in sheep's clothes. Am I preaching to somebody? Even Jesus said, he said, not everyone who is called by my name or who calls themselves by my name, he says, you've got to be careful with those people because those people will eat you up. Everybody see what I'm talking about. Not every preacher who says, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. Not every pastor who says, I love the Lord, is anointed. You've got to use discernment and you've got to test the anointing of the man that you're bringing into the house. Yeah. You want me to help you here? Because I'm preaching something popular right now. Some of us, we come to the minister. And we think he's anointed because he's gifted. But I'm going to help you understand if he's anointed or not. Take him by the nature of his message. If your pastor is preaching all about you, he's not anointed. I don't know if anybody catching what I'm saying. If he's preaching money, he is not anointed. If he's preaching your big house, he's not anointed. You want to know why? Because he's not preaching the gospel of Jesus. He's preaching the gospel of flesh. He's giving you now a reason for you to get excited, but you're getting excited about possessions and things that won't last forever. So now what happens is, is that he's not really a spiritual leader. What he is actually is a motivational speaker. And sometimes we got to be careful because we've got to learn the test to see whether or not the man is anointed or if he's just getting you excited. I don't know if anybody, because we got people who can pump you up, get you excited, tell you you have a nice car, tell you you have great things, but then you're still living in your mess. But is my preacher changing the way that I live my life? And is he preaching the gospel of Jesus? Oh, I don't know if anybody's with me. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody today who knows exactly what I'm talking about. They'll tell you all the stuff that they got and all the stuff that you can get if you do what they do. But I came to declare to you today that it is not a gospel of materialism, but it's a gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to lift up the name of Jesus. And the day that I stop doing it, y'all can kick me off the pulpit because if I'm not preaching Jesus, you might as well find another preacher, find another pastor because I I done fell off the boat. Yeah. Uh, here's the problem now is that we've got people now who love to hear the material. And let me say this. Oh my God. Uh, it's okay to be rich. So don't think that I'm a prosperity preacher, that, I, that I'm against prosperity gospel. It's just that prosperity is not everything. 
And not only is prosperity not everything, uh, there's one prosperity that's worth more than the other, and it's called spiritual prosperity. You've got to have spiritual prosperity before you have materialism prosperity. You've got to have God and be right in your spirit before you get your job. I love the fact that I'm going to have some NBA players in this church. Can we say hallelujah to that? I love the fact there's going to be some lawyers, there's going to be some senators, there'll be some doctors. Hey, maybe we'll have a president. That's all right. It's okay to have all that, but what profiteth a man to gain the whole world, but for him to lose his soul? I came to minister to your soul, not to your finances, not to, oh my I came to preach to the stuff that's inside, not the stuff that's outside, because God is not going to judge you by how many cars you got, but he's going to judge you by what's in your heart. Yes. Amen. I have to preach this. It's okay. It's okay to have material possessions. I, I would love to see lots of millionaires up in here. But the Bible says, seek ye first. And his righteousness than all these things. And here's the problem now. We got people who get excited when the preacher preaches flesh. He gonna give you a car. He gonna give, and I'm like, hallelujah, you still broke. You broke 20 years, 30 years, still broke. Oh, God's gonna restore your life. You still divorced. You still ain't got kids. You still, and you're like, I receive it in the name of, where they do that at? Y'all ain't going to like me today. I, I think I'm snapping. Am I snapping? That's my new thing. Now, 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 ready, ready? Catch this now. Catch this. Catch this. That's the first observation. Oh, let me just say one more thing. You wonder why you're failing spiritually. Because a lot of us, we go to our spiritual leaders asking for fleshly things. Us, we don't really have spiritual desires when we come to church. We just came to church to get a husband. I came to church to get a wife. I, should I just stop? I should stop right there. I should stop right there. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. It's, no. So, no wonder I get disappointed by my pastor. Because all this time, I wasn't getting spiritually fed. My flesh was getting fed. Chew on that. First observation is, not everybody who comes with Jesus should get into your house. Jesus has a whole bunch of people with him. And he says, all of y'all stay out. Because if I'm going to do a miracle, you guys need to get out the way. Second observation is, in the verse, is that Jesus says, I want my three boys. Y'all know their names. The Transfiguration guy. Peter, James, and John. He says, I want Peter. I want James. I want John. And I want you to bring the mother and the father. So there are people that you got to leave out. Is it okay if I teach this right now? And there's some people that you got to bring in. 
If you want to get back to life, there's people that you got to leave out and there's people that you got to bring in. Now, who are we bringing in? We're bringing in Peter, James, and Donna. Who are they? They're the ministers who come with Jesus. I don't know if anybody's catching what I'm saying. Uh, they come in Jesus' name. They come with anointing, meaning I need a spiritual leader to wake me up. I can't wake up by myself. Some of y'all, y'all trying to wake up by yourself. Uh, but you need a pastor to do it for you. You need somebody to kick you in the butt and say, you need to get up and get out of your mess. Am I preaching to somebody? You need somebody that's going to revive you, regenerate you. But he better, got, he better have Jesus. And the other thing that you need in, this, in the observation is, it says the mother and the father must be with her. Now, let me correct something. I'm teaching. Is that all right? The mother and the father must also come in the house. Now, some people translate and say, well, so then I need my mom and my dad. Wrong. Who is the mother and father? In this example, we see what the father has done to get Jesus to the house. So the mother and the father is not the biological mother or the biological father. But rather, it is your intercessors. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. Because I, I, I hate to say this. There are some mothers that should not get in your house. Oh, my God. There are some fathers who shouldn't get in the house because they were never interceding for you. They were only bringing you down. I, I got to preach on this right now. Some family members should not be in your house. Uh, there's some friends that should not go in your house because they never interceded for you. But there was somebody at a distance who said I'm going to pray for you that God will do something in your life. And let me tell you why. The reason why is, is that your intercessor has already proven to you that they care about you enough to pray for you even when you didn't want to pray for yourself. But there are some parents who don't really care about you. They care more about their reputation. You better not sleep around, not because of you, but because it don't make me look bad. They'll tell you to get married even if you're not ready because it will make me look good. There are some brothers who cannot come with you because they never interceded for you. So you can't trust them in this season that you're going to be awakened or revived through them. As a matter of fact, they can be a distraction to you and get in the way of your blessing. So therefore, I've got to look for my intercessors. Those are the people I bring into the house. Am I teaching? Y'all catching that? Okay, all right, ready? By the way, y'all look good today. Real good. I remember your name, by the way. Now, 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 now here, here's another one. Here's another one. Ready? Jesus now goes in the house. And he goes in the house with the ministers and with the intercessors. When he gets in the house, the Bible tells us that he hears all kinds of wailing and crying. Because there's a girl who's dead in the house. Now, Jesus says here, he says this. He says, make room. I think I'm done preaching. Somebody can understand this. He says, make room. Meaning, 
Everybody, get out. Okay, let me help you. I'm walking around a lot because I, I, I'm feeling this right now. Uh, uh, I, want to, I want you to understand this. Jesus is making a statement and a declaration in this particular time in the little girl's life. To help you understand why this is so significant and to help you understand why it's so important, first of all, you've got to understand that this girl is a girl who was sick. She had some kind of ailment, some kind of disease, some kind of sickness that brought her to a state of death. Now, what the Bible tells me is it tells me of her ailment. It doesn't, sorry, it doesn't tell me of her ailment. It doesn't tell me even her name, meaning I'm already looking on the outside. Am I preaching to somebody? I, I see the story now, except I see it from an exterior perspective. I'm looking at it from the outside now, meaning I don't know everything about the girl. I, I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody right now. Uh, she has died, but I don't know why she died. Uh, uh, she's not alive anymore, but I don't know her situation. I don't know her disease. I don't know what she got through. I don't even know her name. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody right now who says, you see me in a dead state, but you don't know how I got to that place. There's some stuff I went through. There's some hurt, some pain in my life that brought me to that place. And I came to preach to some people today that are in that dead state. I came to declare this, that I don't care about where you were and I don't care about what had happened to you. God does not care about the past. He says, forget the things of old. Behold, I will give you something new. He's saying, I'm about to change some things in your life that got nothing to do with what happened to you back then. Now he says, ready? He says now, the Bible tells us that she's dead and people are crying and people are wailing. But it only gives us two pieces of information tells us that she is 12 years old. And it tells us that she is naked. What do you know about her? People don't know about y'all. They don't know about your story. Some of them don't even know your name. When it's time for a healing, forget all that. I don't care if you remember me, Pastor. But if you remember my name, I don't care. I just came to get a blessing today. I came to wake up from my situation. I came to revive. I don't care about my past anymore. I've got to move forward in it because everybody else said that it was over for me. Now, I, I like this part of the text because Jesus now says, make room. Let me tell you why it's important. You see, it isn't just, it, it, it isn't because we're not given her name. We, we're given an essence. Somebody say essence. By the way, that was in your Bible study if y'all were here, you know, another place. We've got to get the essence of the story now. Why did they tell me that she was 12? I don't know her name. I would think that her name was more important than her age. You ever come up to somebody and go, how old are you? Does anybody have name tags or age tags when they go to work? 12 years old. Meaning you're not identified by your age. You're identified by your name. But here, Jesus, or the Bible, or the author, is identifying her by her age. Why is that important? You see, back in those days, y'all ready? Back in those days, being 12 meant that you were now mature enough to make decisions.
at the age of 12, women were mature enough to get married. I know y'all be like, I know y'all Haitian, I know I know Haitians be like, oh do some what? But stay with me for a minute, stay with me for a minute. She is at the age of 12. And now this is when she dies or is about to die. In her time of decision making, that's when death has come upon her. I don't know if anybody's catching what I'm saying. Uh, you see, there's a time in your life when you're about to make a shift. Oh, there's about to be something that's going to happen in your life. Now, it's not a question of life or death, but rather it's a question of destiny. I don't know if anybody's... If I, it's a question of where do I go from this point? Uh, some of y'all are about to make some decisions that are going to change the course of your life. Some of you are about to make some decisions that are going to determine whether you get married or not in your life. Some of you are going to make some decisions that decide whether or not you're going to get the career that you want. Some of you got to make some decisions about where you go to college, about who you date, about what you do. There's a decision that's about to happen, and the decision is what guides you to where you're going to go in God. And see, here's what happens now, is I see now that the enemy has attacked, but when the enemy attacks, he doesn't attack you when you can't make your decision. He attacks you when you can make your decision, because he understands that if I attack her ability to make decisions, then I have a attacked her destiny. But I declare in the name of Jesus that whatever God had planned for your life, it will come into existence. That even when the enemy comes to attack you, he comes to attack you in your place of decision making. You tell the devil that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Is there anybody with me right now? I declare victory in this house in the name of Jesus. I declare healing in this house in the name of Jesus. My destiny is going to happen in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody believed that. There's some people that have been stuck and feel like nothing good is happening in their life. Who feel like their life is in a dead situation. I'm not in a place of promise. I'm not in a place of blessing. Nothing is going my way. All I feel is pain and all I feel is hurt. Well, I came to tell you today that Jesus can show up in your room. I came to declare to you today that Jesus is about to break the chains. I came to declare today that Jesus is about to lose something in your life. This is critical. The next thing I'm about to say. The Bible says that she is laying there and Jesus after he says, make room because she isn't dead but she is sleeping. Now, the reason why that's interesting to me at least it's because the verse right before that, everybody is crying. Right before that, everybody is mourning. But then when Jesus says that she's not dead, all the people who were crying started laughing. Which makes me understand something is that there's some things that you got to do in your life 
that people are going to laugh at it and say it don't make sense. Your situation's been dead for so long that you're like, you know what? There's nothing for me here. But one day Jesus comes in your ear and he says, you're not dead. Your situation isn't dead. As a matter of fact, it's sleeping. Meaning, there's no period here. But there's a comma. And wherever there's a comma, there needs to be another phrase. And if everybody is laughing at you, you can let them laugh. Because Jesus says this, make room. You've got to make room. But you've got to push it out. People who are talking against you, push it out. People who are all up in your ear, push them out. Oh, God, help me right now. People who are disappointing you, push them out. People that are discouraging you, push them out. You've got to make room. Somebody say, make room, make room. You've got to make room. This is not the time. i got to change. There's something for me. There's a generational change. There's something that's going to happen in my life. It's not a question now of life or death. It's my destiny, and you're in the way. So Jesus says, if I don't push everybody out, you won't hear my voice. Today, some of you are going to drop some friends in the name of Jesus. Yeah, 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 with me. Today, some of you are going to cut some people out. Today, some of you are going to put some earplugs when you get to some, I don't know if anybody, I feel the spirit of God in here. Uh, you, you've got to make a decision that i got a destiny. God's got a call on my life. I don't have time for you to bring me down. i got to hear the voice of Jesus. Hear this, hear this, hear this. There's no way that she's going to wake up from that bed unless everybody gets out. And then when she pushes everybody out, make room, make room, make room, make room. Get them out, get them out, get them out. Y'all see that? Get them out, get them out, get them out. Push them out, get them out, get them out. I know y'all thinking I see it already in my spirit. You already know who you got to push out. And guess what? When you push, that means there's resistance, but you got to push. You got to get them out. And when you get them out, all of a sudden, the voice of Jesus gets louder. Oh, y'all ain't with me out. When you start pushing people out, you start hearing the voice of God. When you start pushing people out, you start hearing something. All of a sudden, when you start pushing people out, your spirit is seeing possibilities. Next thing you know, you realize, wait a minute, I'm better than this. I'm not made for prison. Oh, y'all ain't with y'all. Wait a minute, I'm better than this. I'm not made to be a dropout. Wait a minute, I'm better than this. There's a job for me. There's a career for me. God's got a calling on my... All of a sudden, prophecies are coming in. All of a sudden, potential is coming in. All of a sudden, there's a word, and all of a sudden, what starts happening? The word of God starts creeping in you. Then verses that you forgot about, they start coming back. All of a sudden, you got to worship in you because you've been pushing, because you've been making room, because you've been getting rid of some people. And then after that, Jesus calls you. He says, little girl, wake up.
Can you prophesy to the dead bones? Can you speak into something? Can you speak into your dead situation? Uh, because I came to declare to you that it's not dead, it's sleeping. The experts said that it was dead. The experts said you could not make it through college. The experts said that you couldn't do it. They said that you couldn't accomplish it. But look at this. You still got a God that you serve. His name is Jesus Christ. And when he speaks, breath happens. Because you see, the spirit is the breath. I feel like there's a breath happening right now. The spirit is the breath. And when the breath comes in you, all of a sudden life comes in you. Then you start seeing that there is possibility. That there is potential. That God's going to do something in your life. There is a chance you are not dead you are alive you're just sleeping they said you were dead but you're not afterwards he says Talitha Kum some translations will say Talitha The moment that she heard the voice of God, her spirit started coming back. And once her spirit got back, Jesus took out his hand, took out his hand, and picked her up. The Bible says that afterwards, he said, give her something to eat. Somebody say, my meal is coming. I've been dead for too long. There's a meal still coming for me. I feel like I'm preaching to somebody. I'm preaching to somebody today. Ah, you've been dead for a while. You've been in a dead place. And you've looked to your friends, but they can't do anything. As a matter of fact, they cry for you. As a matter of fact, they talk to you about how dead you are. But I declare today, you're going to go back to them and they're going to go from crying to laughing because they're going to see something different inside of you. Where God begins to do a move in you. He begins to wake something up in you. And they're going to be wondering where it came from, but you're going to tell them it's the spirit of the living God who's coming inside of me now, bringing me back to life, bringing things back into existence, bringing possibilities where there weren't possibilities. I love this. I see testimonies right here in our church today. People who dropped out of school, but now are getting their high school diploma, telling me they're going to go to college and they're going to get their degree. You see, God knows how to breathe life into a dead situation. He can take water out of a rock because he knows that even when it's dead, he can speak into it and life can come out of it. I've seen people who said that they wouldn't make it before, who were thinking about suicide and they came and ministered to me and told me now I talk to other people about why they should keep on living. That means that God can breathe life into people. I've seen people who said I was smoking weed and I was lost and I was sitting in my room with nothing to do, but all of a sudden I'm telling my other weed smokers, come to church with me because I've met 
met something better than weed, something better than drugs, something better than sex, something better than friends, something better than all that stuff. I know that I serve a God that can change and breathe life into people. Lift up your hands. God can make things brand new. Brand new. Brand new. If you notice, this whole year, our first sermon was brand new. Yeah. And if you realize something all year, that's the word that keeps coming back. And I just see God breathing life into the church, breathing life into the people. And people have been coming to me, asking me about how is this happening. And I said, I ain't got nothing to do with it. It ain't like I'm preaching different. But for some reason, there's some people who say, I'm going to be a freak for Jesus now. Because I was a freak at the club, but now I want to be a freak for Jesus. I was a freak out there, but now I'm going to be a freak in here. Because I know how good my God is. He can change a situation. He can change everything. I didn't feel loved then, but all of a sudden I feel loved now. Can anybody testify and say that God does make things new? Come on now. Can anybody testify that God made me into a new creature? He made me brand new. If you knew me a year ago, anybody with that testimony? If you knew me a year ago, you would be like, I don't know who this guy is. If you knew me two years ago, you'd be like, I don't know who this guy is. Ready, ready? If you were here two weeks ago, oh my God, I, I don't know how to explain it. But God is taking old creatures and making them into new creatures. God is making things brand new. Hands up in there. up your mouth and declare that. If you believe that, just worship God. Anybody got a renewal from God? Give a testimony. Let somebody next to you know that God can make all things. Let them know that God can make all things brand new. Oh, yes, Lord. Have your way in this place, Lord. Have your way in this place, Lord. I want you right now to pray a prayer to your God and just worship him right now.
and say, God, make me brand new. Make me brand new. It's time for me to wake up. to I want to speak to somebody who says my situation has been dead I've been in a dead place remember I, it's not about your name it's not about your history it's about where you are and where God can take you out of it's about where you are and where God can take you I feel the spirit of God in this house Give me some time right now to reflect on this. A smile on your face doesn't mean you're alive. It's all right. Because wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I came to declare this in the name of Jesus. That if he speaks into you today, you will not only be sleeping, but you will be awake. Your situation is not dead. You're just sleeping. You're not dead. I don't care what your mom said, what your dad said. They said there was no hope for you. That's all right. That's them. But the Spirit of God says that you are not dead. For the Bible says, I shall not die, but I will live. And when I live, I will declare the works of the Lord. Is there anybody that wants to declare the works of God? To say, God, you are one that can bring things back to life. If it's you, if you say, I, Pastor, I, I just need you to pray for me. I need to hear the voice of God. Because my situation is dead. I, I don't know what it is. It can be in different forms. I don't know what it is. But if you're saying that, I just don't see life anymore, but I need to breathe. I need somebody to breathe life into me. I want you to come to the altar right now. Hallelujah. All things new, yes. you I, need, I, need, I need you to come to the altar right now. Breathe life into me, Lord. Oh. Oh, when he called God. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. They all things If you believe it, I want you to open your mouth and sing those words. You make hallelujah. You Speak, we want to hear your, your voice. We want to hear your voice, Lord. Speak, speak. 